0: Mr. Speaker, not, Mr. Speaker, we'll put the chair, we'll put Mr. In Speaker, Mr. Speaker, Speaker. The bill is passed. We've created a commitment to America. Those in favor say aye.
1: We have a deal. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control, a podcast where we look around the corner at the challenges and priorities facing the 2023 Congress. I'm one of your hosts, Annalise Keller.
2: And I'm your other host, Brendan Buck. Yeah, good news, there's a deal. Um, As we've said, that might have been the easy part, getting the deal, now they have to actually pass it. So here we are, uh, we were recording uh, early afternoon on Tuesday, members are returning to town. Uh, you're starting to hear everybody share their various opinions on the matter. Uh, we understand there's going to be a uh, meeting of the conference tonight, uh, which will actually be preceded by a vote series where I think they're going to do an actual whip to see where they are, how many votes uh, exist. But things are uh, not not ex- as smooth as probably they would hope, but it looks like at least on a relatively positive track to being passed tomorrow night we'll see if they can be done in time all the way through the process by by june 5th but we'll get into that uh- But obviously, the big focus right now is whipping this bill, and we're super excited about our guest. Uh, Both Annalise and I had the exact same thought of who the perfect person was to bring in to talk about the whipping process and what they're looking at right now. Matt Bravo was the former director of floor operations for House Majority Steve Scalise. This is a person that I worked very closely with. Uh, When I was in leadership, he basically ran the whip operation. Super smart, plugged in, talented guy. Um, And we talked with him a little bit earlier and got really great insights into what this process looks like, what members, uh, uh, what leaders are thinking and doing at each stage, um, and then make some predictions about where this vote is actually going to settle.
1: Yeah, um, as Brendan mentioned, the hard part is definitely not over. Um, McCarthy still has to survive this vote and all of the fallout that uh, we worry might be coming with this vote that I'm sure we'll get into later. Um, but all in all, really good news. Uh, we're all, I think, everyone uh, feeling in a little bit of better spirits after this long weekend. I know if you all are like us, you were spending your, your long weekend tracking these negotiations and seeing that Yellen pushed back the default uh, date gave me a lot of comfort that the Senate is gonna have a little bit more breathing room to hopefully have the floor time needed. Um, But, yeah, let's talk a little bit about what is in the deal. Um, And as Dems are focusing on uh, more about what is not in the deal, uh, as these things typically go, uh, everything, everybody did not get everything that they wanted. But there is a debt limit extension to 2025, uh, rescinds the uh, unspent COVID relief funds, which I don't think were ever super contentious. Um, There's some elimination for IRS funding. Um, some work requirements around SNAP benefits, changes the age threshold for those work requirements. Um, And it also requires Congress to approve 12 annual spending bills or appropriation bills, um, or they will, if not, if if Congress doesn't do the 12 appropriation bills, they will um, snap back to spending limits from the previous year, uh, which would mean a 1% cut. Um, and of course, uh, caps—they uh, came down on two years, um, as uh, Republicans initially wanted ten. So they settled for two. Um, so Democrats are touting that this bill keeps intact a lot of Biden's priorities, um, and you know they're—you're kind of seeing some consternation uh, from House Freedom Caucus. And some Dems that are pretty upset with um, I think what they see is is a deal where you know they didn't didn't get a whole lot.
2: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this was I, I hate to say it, but this is feels sort of inevitable. So we come back, we get a deal. The deal is kind of what we've been saying forever. It was going to be it's caps and some permitting, and um, you know a l- l- little bit on the work requirements. You know, little stuff here. Like this, this deal was. In focus for a very long time, and they were arguing over, uh, you know, the, the little the edges of of the the shape of this thing, and so everybody all of a sudden seems very surprised by that, and you're getting conservatives, uh, you know, quite upset today, and that that's sort of the you know where we are in this story today is you know the the predictable conservative Republicans angry Freedom Caucus holds holds press conference, um, which can feel very dramatic if it's not just like something we've seen over and over and over again. Um, so I don't think that this is anything that's going to necessarily derail the process and, and where we're, you know, wh- whether this is going to pass or not. Um, but, you know, it, it does kind of return us right back to where we always are. And look, Kevin McCarthy has played this game almost perfectly. He, he controlled everything. It was, you know, he brought the negotiations together. He controlled the messaging war. But at the end of the day, like a debt limit, a debt limit, no matter what it is, conservatives are going to be angry. That you know a lot of that political capital that McCarthy has built up over the last few months, he's you know going to have to spend, it. and that's why he was building it up because he knew he was going to have to spend it right now. So, yeah, it's very interesting to watch um, all of these people uh, be outraged or or at least feign it um, about the bill. It's also somewhat you know the 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 standard and the norm i don't think it's anything that's going to derail stuff but got to keep an eye on it you know got to obviously they're they're concerned about making sure they get a majority of the majority um that's very important for the standing of the leadership and and that's the real thing to to keep an eye on
1: yeah i think it will um you know be interesting to see how many um, Republicans House Freedom Caucus is able to sort of whip against this piece of legislation. We did see a, I'll just make a quick note that we did see um, some Republicans that we weren't, you know, entirely expecting to come out uh, opposing this deal. But, but I do still think that, you know McCarthy will, will see majority of the majority in, in Republicans and we'll kind of see how many um, votes Democrats bring to the table. Um, but let's just, I guess, do a quick, timeline um, on this legislation so so we're we're targeting a passage in the house tomorrow um, tomorrow evening again it's tuesday today so that's wednesday evening Um, so we have obviously the senate then has to take up the bill and we've seen a few people like Rand Paul and Mike Lee indicating that they are going to either force amendments or procedural votes on this um, piece of legislation, which get us dangerously close to the June five day. Um, I mean, as I mentioned um, last week, you know, these kinds of legislation, if if members want to use every tool in their disposal, and you know, leadership is not playing ball to cut deals these types of pieces of legislation can take a week of floor time. Um, So I think while I do feel really optimistic that we will get this done and passed, and especially now that we have until the June 5th breathing room, I mean, I did not see how this was going to work with June 1, but now that the Senate has a bit more time, I feel pretty confident that this will get done. I just think it's worth watching um, what some of these senators are doing and making sure that, you know, as they're, potentials to derail and to throw some procedural hurdles in the mix here um we could really get down to the wire
2: yeah jenny yellen really bailed you out from your 33 percent chance that <laughs> yeah, we were going to avoid did. disaster by moving the debate back because was th- she must have been listening <laughs> she, she was worrying she, she, for me she was looking out for you
1: but i mean just moving things back to what happens you know after we hopefully avert a debt limit default um Kevin McCarthy still has to govern his conference. Um, and I think something that we've said from the beginning of this saga following the Stetlement debate is that you know not only is this the big pivotal test for McCarthy, but it's not only it's also what happens next. I mean there's we've already seen a lot of members tweeting that they've lost faith in the speaker. He's eroded faith and I mean, you're seeing you know, members saying that motion to vacate is on the table. Again, as a reminder, uh, Brendan's favorite topic. Uh, he's been talking about it since last fall.
2: <laughs> That's only my favorite topic, but yeah, something to keep an eye on.
1: Uh, a topic which interests you greatly. Um, so I think it's gonna be really, really difficult um, for McCarthy to continue operating. Um, with with this conference. I, I, and, and I just, okay, before we get into motion to vacate, I want to back up just a little bit because I do think that that the point that you made, Brendan, is interesting about some of the um, kabuki theater that's going on with these House Freedom Caucus members currently because it, we know that these members were, I, I don't see any, I almost, I almost don't see any world in which they would have voted to raise a debt limit. I mean, they were always going to oppose this piece of legislation. So we now have everyone who's, who, McCarthy and team has done a really good job keeping on message, keeping them disciplined. I mean, I imagine he's been saying stuff to them like, wait, you know, wait until the bill text is out. You know, let me negotiate this deal. Don't negotiate through the press. They've been very disciplined. They haven't, you know, knocked this thing much in public. But it's almost like as soon as the deal came together and they were like, well, you know, look, we have the text. Here's all the 97 things we hate about it. You know they were kind of tripping over themselves to get out in in opposition to the thing that we kind of knew they were always going to oppose
2: yeah i mean i'm I'm hesitant to get too far down the road on motion to vacate being a problem like dan bishop has said that's on the table that's one guy we'll we'll see what happens obviously need to monitor it but my my bigger point is (sighs) these folks don't have a problem with kevin mccarthy Just in the same way, I don't think they actually had a problem with Paul Ryan or John Boehner. They have a problem with the realities of governing. The reality is the United States Senate and the White House are controlled by Democrats. The fact that Kevin McCarthy was able to get some level of spending reduction, some level of work requirements, which I was very skeptical of, um, whatever. I'm not even here to to tell you how great the deal is. I'm just saying the fact that you only control the House and you're able to get those things is actually pretty impressive. Um, and the fact that they find this so objectionable that speaker mccarthy should have his job threatened is really quite silly like this is this is bipartisan divided government governing this is just what it is and and the, like they'll always hold out this this notion that well if you just fought harder you could have gotten more and literally it doesn't matter what the deal was they would say if you if you just hold hold out if you just fight harder you're going to you're going to get a deal and at some point you just have to realize that's silly and now no one you know they're not going to listen to me when i say that but like this is where i you know it, it almost doesn't matter mccarthy like could not have handled this situation any better the, the fact the stuff that he was able to get i honestly didn't think he was going to be able to pull off now it's this some like game changing agreement no but it's certainly not nothing so you know this guy can talk about the motion to vacate if he wants but like that's just being selfish frankly that's you trying to hold yourself out as some kind of conservative hero, I get it. I get your politics, man. Um, but it, I don't take it particularly seriously. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think McCarthy's job is in any real danger. Um, you know, we've talked before about whether Democrats would actually, like, vote for a motion to vacate. I don't know. Um, but uh, it's just it, it's frustrating that this is, like, the inevitable outcome. It doesn't matter what you do. They're still going to come around because this is the one tool they think they have. But enough of that, let's uh, move off of motion to vacate and get, we have something much more pressing, which is actually passing this bill. So now we're going to have a conversation uh, about the whipping process with our guest today, Matt Bravo.
1: Okay, let's go ahead and bring on our guest for today, Matt Bravo, Uh, now a partner at S3 Group. He began his career working for then Chief Deputy Whip, Eric Cantor. Uh, He also served on Cantor's floor staff during his tenure as majority leader and Republican whip. Uh, Later, and uh, importantly to our current conversations, he served as director of floor operations for House Majority Whip Steve Scalise, um, where he helped ensure passage of legislation. And he's going to tell us a bit about the process of how leadership kind of gets these things uh, with really tight margins uh, across uh, the finish line.
2: Bravo, you're the man for doing this. Uh, When we're thinking about where are we in this saga, whipping, we couldn't think of anybody better to come on and do it, so thanks for joining us.
0: Of course, appreciate you guys having me.
2: I think this is media appearance number one for you, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah,
0: they don't let me talk talk to the media on the record that much.
2: (laughs) I I hear you. Well, we'll try to go go easy uh, on on you here. Um, So we are recording this uh, early afternoon Tuesday members are just coming in town there seems to be a lot of, of chaos obviously the context of the the debt limit um it feels like at this point we're all just trying to figure out where we're headed based on vibes um yep. can you kind of talk to us a little bit about like you know is that really all we have to work off of right now how are you, what what vibes are you picking up at this point um and 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 is that actually something that whips think about
0: yeah i mean so listen i think you know, I think it's important to go through the process, right? And so, you know, traditionally the process is you start with member meetings on a draft piece of legislation that's going through committee. Obviously, that's not where we have here because they were working through a deal. That being said, a lot of pieces of this bill have gone through some of the committees um, that um, passed through through the House of Representatives. So, you know, they have spent a lot of time over the past, you know, since um, McCarthy became Speaker, uh, taking the time, to work with members to see what they were going to need in a debt deal, what were some of the outside of, you know, cutting spending, what other pieces would be helpful for them to get to yes. Um, how do we form the best, best deal? And I, you know, so member meetings are always where it starts. Right. And I think, um, Buck you, you know, I can remember when we did a a whole retreat for the, for the, for the tax cut bill. Right. So member, member education is super important. And they've been trying to work through this with them since, since we knew this was coming, um, when, when, um, McCarthy became a speaker, so then you go into the actual whip process. So they cut the deal, right? They make the announcements. We have the framework. You can't really whip off a framework. You can kind of like you can start making phone calls. You can start um, checking, you know, checking in with blocks of members, seeing what's good and what's not. But until you have text, um, it's really hard to get to get an accurate whip count. And so that got released a couple of days ago, um, along with some some section by sections. And so at that point, the whip check is you can actually start whipping because members can't say, Oh, I haven't read the bill yet. Or I, I want to wait till I see text. So you're, what you're trying to do is eliminate members from whipping undecided um, or, or whipping lean no notes. So by providing lots of information, by giving them, you know, by taking away any excuse for them to whip undecided, like not being able to read the bill or not having seen text. So that's what you're trying to do. and That's what, and that's what Emmer did here. You know, he, they didn't do an official whip check until they had the text. So, you know, traditionally we always do face-to-face whipping yeah so let's
2: um, so let's pause right there so they announced a framework before they had text what what happens in that intervening period where there's something out there but there's no text is that just like flood the zone with i mean mccarthy did a good job of this flood the zone with paper about positive things about it is there a, a whip team yeah, getting together at that TV, point to, what's that
0: you saw the sunday shows i mean like you said you know all the folks out there were, you know, ramping it up. You know, the you know, the, the the right wing hadn't really come out strongly against it at that point yet. You know, they were still processing it and they're still waiting to see what the the text of the bill looks like. Because that's the whole thing. Right. But that gave us that gave uh, the leaders time to get out there and really start, you know, getting the narrative that this is a great deal for conservatives. And when you've got Democrats out there saying that they, there's not a single thing in here outside of increasing the debt limit for them, like, how is that not a win for for uh, McCarthy and then and, and the and negotiators? So they
2: they release the text. Um, is that when phone calls start? I mean, I guess my my understanding is they're not they're doing a formal whip tonight yes. during votes. Are are they going into that um, semi-informed? Are they going into that kind of blind? Like, I mean, obviously they know where some people are, but.
0: They have an idea. Listen, I think right now they feel confident. My assumption is they're, they're, they're gonna get a whip check back that that's gonna show something to a very good path to majority of majority, if not starting at majority of majority with the with ability to make it grow. And, you know, just looking back at history, you know, and, and Buck, you know, you and me have been in, in the trenches on, on, on budget deals before in the past. It's, you know, the, the fact that we could have a vote anywhere between, you know, the majority of the majority and, you know, pushing the 140s, 150s potentially, like that's some that's something to be said for for this leadership team and and the whip operation and it's at itself you know because I can remember some of those budget deals. I mean, the one I always laugh about is Boehner cleaning out the barn for us, right? I think that had like sixty-five Republicans on it. So, I mean, my point there is, you know, um, you know, I think they feel confident in the sense that there is, um, you know, good traction about this bill. That you know, there's a lot of wins within it for Republicans. You're cutting spending. You're getting, you know, you are getting some some legislative wins. Um, but you know you, you've seen the Freedom Caucus come out against it now, and so that's going to make rules interesting, and and so forth and so on. But you know I think if I was the floor director heading into Check, I would feel confident in a good starting point, and at least getting a path to to uh, the majority of the majority, if not more.
1: Yeah, you mentioned um, Matt. You mentioned a few of these detractors that we've seen come out. You know, now that the bill text is out, we are really hearing from the Freedom Caucus and other folks. Um, maybe some like a little bit. I don't know if I want to say unexpected, but like not, it's not just your usual characters. Um, but when you see, you know, these public statements on Twitter from some of these members, um, indicating that they're going to vote against these bills, walk us through kind of how how does the the whip operation handle those those um, instances? Like, is that an immediate phone call? Are you on the phone with them right away? Are you tracking all of that? Like, how does that kind of play out in real time?
0: That's just, it's immediately frustrating, right? Because we we ask so, you know, we ask for members to try and keep their powder dry, let us talk and at, at, the, at the necessary time needed, you know, you can release your no vote. So yeah, you know, I, I was blown away by seeing, you know, um, Nancy Mace and, and um, uh, Wesley Hunt come out so quickly uh, opposing the bill. You know, they're such good, you know, they're great members and, and, you know, they work well with leadership, so I was kind of surprised to see them, them come out so early on it. Um, but I mean, you know, that's just frustrating. But again, you know, you're just kind of you're expecting you're not you're not going to get 220 some people. So if you lose 70 members, you're still in the 150. So it's like, OK, like you're, you're going to lose your Freedom Caucus. You're going to lose some RRC folks and you lose some cats and dogs. And hopefully, but, you know, that coalition of knows is going to be well above the um, majority of the majority.
1: Yeah. And it kind of seems like it's now just a matter of, you know, how many Republicans and how many Democrats they're going to get. I think we all kind of get the sense that it's going to pass. Uh, I just going to kind of be come down to the final vote count. And I don't want to get too far ahead of, of the process. But, you know, I'm curious when when we have these big pieces of legislation that require, you know, passage by both Republicans and Democrats, um, understanding there's new le- there's new Dem leadership. But, you know, in, in your um, in your experience, I mean, are you guys, h- how closely are you communicating with the Democrats to figure out what their vote count is? Are you, you know, trying to keep some of your cards, you know, playing them close to the vest? Like you don't necessarily want to show the full number of votes that you have or, you know, who, who kind of tips the hand first. Uh, how, how do these things play out when you're working with Democrats and relying on their votes?
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, I would say one of my closest friends in this town is Shawanza Goffin she was Hoyer's floor director and me and her became so close over the years of working on the floor. Um, you know, when we were like you know, floor assistants and then we, as we moved up to floor directors and, and, you know, became, you know, became apparent that we were gonna have to work together on passing major pieces of legislation from, from omnibuses to, uh, you know, to promesa, um, to, you know, to a variety of TPA to a variety of different bipartisan pieces of legislation. You have to work with your counterparts and in the in the other offices, and it really starts at a staff level before the before the principals get involved. And you know, and it's, and it's your trust to your your counterpart. And I and I trust Shawanza dearly, and she trusted me. And, you know, we would give her, we would give them ranges. You know, I would walk up and say, "I need a range of votes needed," and she would say, "That's not no chance." And then I would go work on some more, and then i would be like, oh, "How about this?" And she'd be like, "I think that makes more sense." And then we get to a point where we could we can go to the floor and vote, and and I think that's what you know. You know, you got McCarthy and you got Scalise staff, who's been on the floor for a long time. A lot of hangar, you know, a lot of people went over from the Hoyer and Pelosi's office into those other offices in the Jeffries and Clark's office. So I think you know, there's still that those relationships. I know, um, uh, Emmer's floor staff has been working hard to build those relationships. So yeah, I mean, it's just this is the first test for them of trusting one another and getting this done. And and trust is so important. Like I. I would never have given the green light to a vote to or you know, have my boss give a green light to a vote without you know completely trusting where the other side would be, even if it's a rage. but again, it's a trust thing. you know they could pull the pull the rug from out under you and you and you don't know, but you'd hope that wouldn't be the case.
2: do you think those conversations are already started?
0: It has to it has to. but I wonder if it's you know I'm sure the staff are chatting with each other. I think if i'm if I'm in the whips office right now. I'm like, I think I'm probably can get a hundred. So let's just try and make sure we can run up the score. Another thing that just the competitiveness to me would be would be like, I don't want the Democrats to put up a bigger number than me too. So if the Democrats are all falling in line, which I'm kind of getting the kind of getting win that they are. like then they put up a pretty big vote, right? And then it looks like more Democrats than Republicans voting for it, and that kind of kills McCarthy's narrative a little bit, a little bit, not not really. So you know, they're gonna keep pushing their numbers. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes, but they have been talking. I'm sure, um, you know, the leader's office is, is talking to other folks, and so is the speaker's office. So,
2: yeah, that's the yeah. Uh, like a uh, uh, little below, below the surface like vote to look for. Not just does Republic do Republicans get majority of the majority, but the underappreciated one is do Democrats actually vote in a higher number than Republicans do. Um, which is something you never like to see the minority putting up more votes. Let me ask you about um, this decision. Maybe that it wasn't really a decision, but um, following through on the 72-hour rule, you know, as we're seeing, the longer something sits out, the more trouble comes. That's not surprising. But also the decision to to send them home, which uh, you know, I had suggested was was the smart strategic idea so that they're not around together stirring each other up um sure enough you know as they're coming back to town is when you're seeing um more more criticism so how do you think about you know the fact that it was sitting out for this long because the reality is on a lot of these bigger bills we did push that rule you know the 72 hours became you know 48 hours or whatever it was so uh, how much pressure does that put on them or did you know that just kind of the reality
0: yeah, I mean, obviously, the faster you vote, the better. <laughs> At least in the past, that was the case. But I think in this scenario, under this new type of leadership with the tight vote margins, you know, you it, this goes back to taking away any excuses to vote no or to whip undecided. And to say that you weren't given the 72 hours that were promised, so I'm going to vote no. Again, you're just taking away that excuse um, to potentially vote no. So I think this is the right way to do it. I think, you know, McCarthy and Scalise had, had, had to play by the by the rules that, you know, this is the first big test, again, since they Change the rules a little bit. So, you know, they had to, you know, I think it was important for them to get, gain their respect of the conference and the other members to stick by the book and, and play by it. But with that said, that gives, since the framework's been announced, what, Saturday night and they're going to vote Wednesday. I mean, that's a long time for something to st- hold out there for, for outside groups to start taking shots at it and spin folks up. But to your point, Buck, there is no, having members idle hands over Memorial Day weekend would have been a disaster. So sending them home was absolutely the right right scenario, decision.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned earlier this was the first big test, and I think that's exactly right. Um, I, I'm curious, since we do kind of have one big hurdle before we can actually get to the one big test, and that one big hurdle being the Rules Committee vote, um, what like, what is leadership, you know, what all is going on behind the scenes as, you know, you have these, you know, threats of a couple of folks out there indicating that they're going to try to block the rule. And, you know, what, obviously you, you have to kind of keep your eye on the final vote passage, but, you know, what's, what's the thinking internally and what's the maneuvering internally to be sure that it can clear this first hurdle?
0: Right. So if, if you look at it right now, you see Norman and, you see Norman and, and um, Chip Roy are hard nodes, right? So that leaves Massy. And you know, Massey has a pretty big win in this legislation, so I, th- I see a path getting it out of the Rules Committee. Um, you know, on a on a partisan vote, but you know, you don't know if Dems will vote for it too, right? I mean, again, there's, Dems are starting to soften on this thing, so yeah, I mean, th- that's a major concern because I know something that's being talked about now is potentially opening it back up, or at least allowing amendments on the floor. I mean, again, like you know, all the time, years I've been on the hill, hill dealing with major you know negotiations. Once you cut a deal. Um, with the president, yeah, you know, you're not usually opening that thing back up on the floor uh, for votes and you know and, and whatnot. So they really got to they really got to throw that needle there um, on getting yeah. through the rules. And once you get it on the floor, I think there's going to be there will be a coalition of Republicans and Democrats in favor of the rule to make sure we move on.
1: Yeah, I mean we really don't have time either. I mean the the clock's really running out on this one. So
0: yeah, I mean if the, the Senate six their timelines can be happening right before right before the fifth, so.
2: Are there any members that you're looking out for right now who are going to be really important? At, you know, it, Jim Jordan being on McCarthy's side has been a total game changer for him. Um, but you know, if you're if you're sitting there, like, who are you either worried about or who do you think is just really important that they get for the to the signal that it sends?
0: I keep an eye. I keep an eye on RC Chairman Hearn, right? You know where Perry is, but Hearn, you know, leads a great big block of votes. He's a conservative leader. You know, I, I like to think of guys that, like, I mean, Richard Hudson's in leadership now, but back in the day, Richard Hudson would be someone who I, who I, who I would use as a, um, as a barometer where things were going. A, a guy like Richard Hudson. So you want to have like the conservative members, but, but the ones that, who want to be, you know, that can think outside the box and, and maybe go for something like for a deal like this. And so, like a Hearn, um, and and like someone like a Hudson would probably be by my my main, main focal point knowing where certain people are going to go. Keep an eye on my chairman too, right? Make sure all the chairmen are locked in step here. This is a big, you know, unity vote. So those are, if you start losing a bunch of chairmen, that's, that's a problem. Keep an eye on the defense folks, you know, keep an eye on Gallagher, keep an eye on, on, on all those guys over there too. Cause you know, the, the defense hawks go, or there starts to be a break within them. That could also lead to a pretty big vote block going away.
2: One thing you would never like to see either is your, uh, a delegation feeling like they all need to stick together. I've noticed, you know, it's there's only a smattering of no votes public so far, but it seems like Florida has a fair number of of no's. Do you start getting worried that everybody in Florida feels like they need to be no to stick together?
0: Nah, I mean listen, I know the Texas delegation was having a fair you know, during their Texas lunch today. You know, they always say they're gonna try and stick together. I mean, I i think you see a split there between all the appropriators and, and some of the other members. Florida Florida's the same way, right? You have a bunch of appropriators there. Like right? they wanna get they wanna get rolling. So, you know, yeah, sure, the Gates, the, the Lunas and some of the some of the other folks might be, you know, be pushing for it. But I think that'd be I, my assumption is that delegation will be fairly split. Um, I think you're I think you're going to see I think you're seeing a lot of split delegations this time around because I think there's some folks, that, you know, the, like the MVP pipeline is a huge deal for like energy folks. And so, like, you know, why vote against something that's so it's such a win like that. Right. And I think, you know, stuff like that is what's going to keep people from voting you know, to vote yes, and outside just, you know, the spending cuts and whatnot.
1: I want to ask about something a little bit different. Um, so w- kind of all of our eras were in, I'll say, like, maybe the one of the early, I know I was around in the first iteration of, of the Freedom Caucus, and I think you both were, too. To, the Jordan was, Meadows era. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of on the, kind of in a different, I was not in leadership at the time. Um, it, I was in the meetings for the Freedom Caucus at that time. Um, so, You know, it's interesting, though, I guess, to kind of track the changes of the Freedom Caucus and how they've sort of reimagined themselves um, with McCarthy's um, speakership and some of the challenges that they've gone through, and also how, you know, McCarthy has, um, you know, put Thomas Massey on the Rules Committee, for example. I mean, he's he's, um, really brought them into the tent in a way that I think was probably only possible with time. Um, But just talk to us a little bit about, you know, the the changes that you've seen over the course of, you know, the last five, seven years with the Freedom Caucus and how they're utilizing their power today and kind of how you approached them when you were making sure that you were, you know, getting things done.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, they made their stand the first time to really coalesce. I mean, they've been around for a little while, but, you know, we've always had the leadership had the ability to kind of pluck a handful of them off. And kind of, you know, it would, they would have, wouldn't have have to negotiate directly with them as much. They put their first stand on health care. They kept together and they really forced our hand. And at that point, I, you know, um, I realized at that point I was going to have to check in with the Freedom Caucus on most pieces of legislation moving forward. Um, that was their big step. And that was them holding the line. And I'll say this, you know, like Jim Jordan now, obviously a big leader, you know very close with 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 mccarthy and and team and also with the, with the conservative folks but you know you see jordan used to be a very tough negotiator when meadows came in meadows would be like all right here are the uh, you know leadership would offer some ideas and here are five you know they sorry excuse me freedom cox walking to here are five things leadership would like all right well I think we'll think we give you three and a half and meadows would be like okay i'll go sell that right and i thought you know at that point we were tr- you know they were pushing for good reforms or different votes and we were able to work with them on that hand so you know they have they have moved from being not just want to you know to blow things up to actually trying to just actually take wins where they could get them. I think you know we're seeing right now they're not they're not very happy with this current piece of legislation. But if you would see like we pass, I can't you know everyone keeps saying how House Republican leadership wasn't going to be able to pass anything this year. And I just think oh, that time and time again they they just you know they've showed that those um, haters to be wrong, right? You know HR one yeah. passed. They got student success done. They got an immigration bill passed. Are you kidding me? Like, we never we couldn't even get out of committee back in the day. So they got that across the finish line. Then they did their own debt limit bill, which completely flipped the negotiations. So, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think the Freedom Caucus has been, you know, helpful in, in, in moving legislation in the right direction in that sense.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like its own um... – you know, it's just kind of—it's kind of like the like it's not the Tuesday group, but it's kind of like just an. It seems now it's more like another group that you check in with. Like you know, oh, we yep. got to check in with the you know New York delegation. I got to check mm-hmm. in with the Freedom Caucus. It's it's just shifted so much. It's interesting.
2: We yeah, no. Do- it, 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 it is.
0: Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Sorry, Matt, you can't do a media interview without getting asked about Donald Trump. So I'm going to ask you <laughs> about Donald Trump now. Um, that's obviously the the wild card at all times. Um, we know what he you know, he's he's kind of dismissed it, even the need to do anything on the debt limit. Um, how much you know, when you're in the whip's office, are you concerned about what Donald Trump says? If he comes out in the next you know day and starts railing against this thing, um, what does that do to the vote?
0: I mean, it definitely has an impact. Really, right? Desantis is already out there saying, you know, going after this thing. Um, you know, Tim Scott obviously keeping his powder dry. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, he definitely, he definitely used to have a lot more power when he used to have to say something. It definitely does have an impact. But my gut is most of those people are already going to be voting no, anyways. So, um, you know, there's this is, you know, back in the day when he would say something you know, that could almost, you know, almost immediately mean you're going to get a primary challenger if you went against them. I don't necessarily think that's the case anymore. It definitely does complicate your vote. And certainly not helpful. But it's not the amount of power that it used to be a couple of years ago.
2: All right, well, now we're going to make you uh, put your money where your mouth is. Uh, not really, but we would love to know you the whip expert uh, that we have turned to how do you see this going? I think we all agree it's going to pass, right?
0: Yeah, so, at least I think again, you know, kind of, I'm going to be a little bullish. I'll say, you're an optimist. I like to give myself ranges. I like, so I'll say between 120 and 150 Republicans. And I think Democrats are going to be over 100. I'm not quite sure how many over. So, what's
2: the majority of the majority? Like 112?
0: Yeah, 112 or something like that. 113. Yeah. So, I think, I think 130 is a great number for them. If they get to 130, 140, that's a real showing on a debt limit increase. And I think that, you know, I think that's a goal. I think their goal for them is not only to do majority-majority. Majority. Their goal is to have a big vote, um, big R vote. And think about it. If you have a good combination of of R's and D's and you get close to 300 total votes on a vote, that's going to be a great message going over to the Senate, too.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's going to be in that. I think that range feels right. I'll say, I'll say 140. Um, the, not to, like, totally throw cold water on all of this, but <laughs> the only thing that I'll say is it still only takes one member to uh, – Raise the motion to vacate. <laughs> oh, geez.
2: All right. Well, we're not going to go there. We'll, we'll, Wait, we'll, leave, the, as, we'll leave, leave that as for Buck another knows time. And remember, it's
0: three legislative days. They don't. They have three legislative days to consider it, unless it's a leader. So they got some time to, to, to deal with that, and they can get this vote done.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Great. We'll vote on the deadline the first, and then we'll turn to that next. Great. Um, <laughs> no. No okay, one Brandon, here. What do you say? Yeah, no one here is predicting that. Um, yeah. Like I, I, didn't think that. Um, I, I don't. I, I thought they would have a tough time getting majority of the majority knowing where this was going. And I think a lot of people um, have seemed surprised by the sort of narrowness of, of this deal. But I gotta say the vibes are good. And I think it speaks to this, the capital that McCarthy has built up for uh, the last few months. So yeah, it feels like it's heading to a majority of the majority. But yeah, I, I imagine that's going to be relatively slim. So I'll put it around the 130 range.
0: Uh, I mean, I think you, I think uh, you've heard you've heard the quotes before, but like you can't bet it can't bet against Kevin McCarthy, man. Like, you know, 15 ballots like the guy, the guy's passing major legislation, you know, with his leadership team working together closely. I wouldn't bet against the guy. I think they're going to put together a good vote coalition on this one.
2: He has certainly overperformed. You can vote against him 14 times. You just can't vote against him 15 times. That's right. So hopefully we we don't need that many uh, this time around. Um, All right, Bravo. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Really, really helpful for us to kind of better understand the process here. And obviously we'll be watching very, very closely, as I know you will too.
0: Awesome. Thanks for having me.
2: And tune in next week uh, as the dust settles on this vote in the House. We will be taking a look back at this process. Hopefully we have a resolution Um, and we'll be able to take stock of how this all went down and what Kevin McCarthy and the rest of the House has to look forward to going forward.
1: Control is a production of Seven Letter, a leading strategic communications firm in Washington, D.C. and Boston, with deep experience in bipartisan public affairs, public relations, crisis management, digital strategy, and corporate
2: engagement. Special thanks to our producer, Benji Englander. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please join us next week for another episode, and don't forget to rate and review us. Thank you for listening.